please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DV Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DV Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. The following includes conversation relating to cryptocurrency. The information provided and discussed is strictly for educational and informational purposes only. Any use of any information has done so at your own risk. DV Radio LLC, as well as the hosts and guests of the show, take no responsibility if you wish to use any of the information in your daily life. Again, the topics discussed are strictly for informational and educational purposes only. I am Chris, the CEO. My name is Paul. I'm the COO. I am Chris, a.k.a. Little Chris, the Chief Technical Officer of Affinity Innovations. Our long show, we will talk about Affinity, crypto in general, EFI, blockchain technology, technology, uh, and just talk about anything, whatever the hell we feel like talking about. Get to know us at a little more personal level. Babbling nonsense. Is there any cursing rules <laughs> or anything? No, you say whatever the fuck you want. I think they'd be more worried if you didn't curse. <laughs> show me the money. Show me the money! All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Affinity Protocol right here live on WDVRDVRadio.net and on Twitch. Happy to be here tonight. I don't know why I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood tonight. You're always in a good mood. Uh, sometimes I pretend, but... Uh, <laughs> well, you're 49ers one for week three, so... They did. I mean, uh, how'd the Eagles do? I didn't end up catching that, that game last night. They won. They actually um, got uh, what's called a, what do they call it? A um, scoregami. So it was just, it's so basically what it is, is, you know, each time there's a final score, um, not necessarily between two teams, but in general. So like, you know, say a final score of a game is 10 to seven or yeah. uh, 17 to 10, something like that. That That is a unique score whenever it's done the first time. Well, the Eagles, uh, during the course of their game, ended up uh, turning the ball over, basically in the end zone. Um, Jalen Hurts threw an interception, so uh, Buccaneers had the ball on their one-yard line, and we got a safety, so the score is a little weird. So it ended up being 25-11. Uh, to 11. Um, And then the uh, that score is the 1,078th unique score ever recorded in football. So they call it every time there's a new one of those new unique scores that comes out. They call it a scoregami. All right, interesting. <laughs> Never so, heard of that shit. I'm gonna tell you what. Um, I mean, they're playing the Cowboys next week, but um, might have to put some money on whether or not the 49ers score exactly 30 points because that's what they did the first two games. 30 to seven, 30 to 12. Well, damn. We'll see if they hit 30 again. Crazy. At least you went to Broncos. I know. Oh. God damn. Oh. That just, that hurts every time I hear it. It's that interview with the lineman? Oh, yeah, where they're like, how's it feeling? He's like, fucking sucks. I've been here seven years, so all I do is lose. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part about it, too, is like, I feel bad for people like him because I guarantee, hold on, <laughs> excuse me, I guarantee 
that when Russell Wilson got signed on the Broncos, that dude was probably mad excited and was oh, like, yeah. yo, you know, we, we got a, we got a better chance. We might actually be able to do something here. Like, you know, this team's, this team's going to see better days since, you know, since the days when we had Peyton Manning and, you know, shit like that. And then yep. just two, this is the second year now that it just does not seem to be going well, like at all. Oh man. I at least had some forethought to say, I, right. Rather than saying, you know, although it is a team game, right? So he wouldn't be wrong to say we or the team lose all the time, but at least he put it on himself, you know? Oh, yeah. So he catch a little less heat for what he said. (laughs) Well, I think think this week there was just a bunch of funny, crazy stuff that happened, right? So, like, we we broke the Monday Night Football uh, brutal, gruesome injury streak, luckily. Uh, I was a little bit nervous because the Eagles were playing for Monday night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you know, I think it. I think it all started with Demar Hamlin on a last Monday night football game last year, and then it, it just kind of went downhill. You had um, you had Aaron Rodgers with the ACL. Uh, you had Nick Chubb. So it was like you know, week week three. It was there was two games, and I was like, ah, as long as it's not somebody on the Eagles game. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to I'm trying to watch a game here, <laughs> but um, but so so you had the the crazy. Blow out with the the Dolphins and, and the Broncos. Fuck me, I can't talk tonight. You had the Scorigami with the Eagles. Um, then you have <clears throat> Pat McAfee on his podcast. I don't know if you watch his stuff at all because that dude's just that dude's fucking hilarious, man. If we could, if we could get him on this podcast, I don't know if we could ever match his energy. But he, he's just a a funny funny dude. So he was talking about um the Bengals Rams game, and he was like, "This game sucks. There's something that should be abolished in the NFL. Like, offense isn't doing shit on either of these teams. Like, it's six to six, and the the Bengals kicked off. And like, he's like, it's a kickoff, right? Like, why would you fair catch a kickoff on the twelve yard line? Like, your offense ain't doing shit. You got to try to do something." And he's like, "I even looked up who the offensive coordinator is, and I don't remember the guy's last name. But his name is Casey." So Pat back, he's like, Casey, don't do it. You can't do this now. We got Swifties watching the game because of Travis Kelsey. We can't have this looking like some musical <laughs> bullshit. Like, you got to actually play football, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, and how about oh, and something else crazy that happened in the football realm? Uh, was uh, How about the Raiders kicking a, a field goal from inside the 10 with down by eight? Like two minutes, I think it was just on the other side of two minute warning. Down by eight, kick a field goal inside the ten. Yep, I, I and and they they got called out for for sportsbook stuff as well. Yeah, and I, I actually had a friend on Facebook that like posted something funny about the um about the the Broncos and uh, uh, Dolphins game, and I even commented and I was like, "Bro, sportsbook's gonna be fucking lit in the coming weeks." People think there's gonna be some fifty point blowout coming out. They'd be throwing like five hundred bucks on a parlay that would end up paying out like thirteen million, and it's never gonna happen because they're gonna think it's gonna be a, like a another forty five point deficit of some sort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. There's some weird decisions going on early this football season, but the way it is. Anyway, I'm about tired of all this rain. I think it's supposed to clear up. Tomorrow is actually supposed to be nice. I think it's supposed to rain again Saturday, and then Sunday is going to be good. I don't know what Friday is going to do. It didn't rain today. Eh. It was just cloudy out. Yeah, cloudy and kind of cool. And 
Pictures a little bit. What? Pictures a little bit. Yeah. Here and there. Yeah. Went too, too bad. But, you know, it's uh, it's going into fall. It's going to be the rainy season. I had enough of it. And uh, speaking of rain, because it rained last weekend, I do want to address, I want to address the video real uh, quick. <laughs> uh, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Before, before you, um, <laughs> before you go in and give yourself up here, I only put that in mod chat. I didn't I put care. that in main chat. I, I oh, don't okay. care. I don't care. Cause okay. it, it may, okay. well, even if it makes it out or not, whatever, either way. Uh, I do want to address that video. No, but, uh, so <laughs> most of you probably hey, hey, don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you finish, but yeah. I didn't cheat. Now you cheated. I but, ain't uh, cheated at all. Dog. My knee busted me in my knee right before it happened. But let me, let me, uh, uh, what's up, Scooty? Um, let me lead up to it. So we, uh, we were gonna potentially go to a fair, but it was rainy, so we uh figured let's do something else. But Paul uh recommended this trampoline park that him and his family like to frequent. Um son usually has a good time there, so I said, Why not? I've never been to a trampoline park. I'll check it out, bring the kids out, have a good time. And it was. It was uh it was a good time. I was jumping around a little bit, not realizing how much trampoline actually uh hurts on, on an aging body. But it does. Uh, but it was still a good time. Did a bunch of things with the kids and, and hung out. And at one point, it was, uh, what do you call that? What do you call those things? Oh, no. It's the, it's the a balance beam over top of a, a foam pit with the little fucking batons or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, pugil sticks. Pugil sticks. Yeah. Pugil it weren't quite a pugil stick because there was no there was no actual like rod with the two foams on the end. It was more of just a solid cylinder. It's, it's family friendly pugil stick. Yeah, all right, it will go with that. <laughs> so I was standing up on it, and my thirteen year old daughter was in the car, and then she changed her mind. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm standing up here. I'm challenging somebody, and Paul happened to be standing there. Uh, were you watching your son in the dodgeball area? Is that where you were? Yeah, yeah. So I called him over. If this motherfucker don't get up on there, turn his hat around, get all serious <laughs> and shit, runs up to me, smacks me in the knee with this steel rod oh, first, right? Oh, shit ain't touch your and knee. I'm limping around. I'm still on the balance beam. No, I'm, I'm limping around, though. I'm like, yo, that's that's fucked up, but we're going to go. Nah, I'm playing. That didn't happen. Uh, but I was about to say, bro, <laughs> bro, don't don't make me go get my wife right now. Come down here and talking to the mic about what happened because she's the one that took that video. I'm gonna stick to the story, but it's not really what happens. Uh, when he gets up, I mean, I ain't never done that shit before. I don't know. I know the the Marines messes with pugils and all that. I don't know if the Navy does. I've never even fucked around with that. My balance is all right, but it ain't great. Uh, so we get up there and uh, you know couple of hits and some pushes and shoves and then I went tumbling down into the foam. Uh, I did lose. I, I'll admit to it. I lost fair and square but hey man it's not easy. It's not hard to push me around. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'll admit that was one, that, that was easy too. Just like you said in mod chat, it's, it's a different weight class. Uh, three, I will critique you, man. That was not a wide stance you had. That was that was not good for balancing on that thing if he's going to be getting hit on the side like I did hit you. I mean, I don't know how you can have a wide stance on a... That's probably what? Like, what do you think? Like a foot wide? Oh, it wasn't even a foot wide. It was yeah. eight inches. Yeah, foot wide. Right? So I was trying to 
stretch forward and back with wise. I kept changing my stance. I'm like, none of this feels good. None of this feels right. I don't know how I'm going to stay up here. I felt like I was going to fall before I even engaged, but <laughs> I gave a in, shot. Fuck it. In the end, it didn't matter. <laughs> nope. But, but I, I wish your daughter would have got up there. Cause I would have loved to see you knock her ass off. Yeah. That would have been fun. <laughs> that would have been real fun. She got your wife up there. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. She didn't even have socks on. She wasn't jumping that day. So, but the, so the funny thing with what you saying, like you felt like you were almost going to fall off before we even took swings at each other is the first time we went there. Um, so like, so my wife doesn't, you know, get the socks and do the jumping and stuff anymore. She just kind of hangs out. Yeah. But the first time we went, we all signed up to jump and stuff like that. Well, she basically did the same. Same thing as you did, right? Yeah, she got up there with Archer just so that he could, you know, be up there. And, like, that was, like, last year. So he was only, like, three years old at the time. Yeah. <clears throat> she gets up there with him, and, like, he wants nothing to do with it. So he just hops off and and, and just is looking at the phone pit like he's going to jump in but can't figure out what's going on. <laughs> so she fuck, she calls me out. And she doesn't, she doesn't just, like, be like, hey, get up here. Let's do this. She she looks me right in the eye and she goes, Paul, get your sorry ass up here. <laughs> my brother in Christ, I, I looked at her and instead of just turning my eyes, I, I stared her down as I turned my hat backwards. Right. Like I was like this. You are not going to survive this. Like we get a divorce at the end of this. Like, I swear <laughs> to God. So I, I, I literally grabbed the thing. And like, yeah, I got pretty decent balance. I jumped up there on the, onto the beam and she went to take one step forward and slipped and fell right in. <laughs> so after talking all that shit, all that shit, she slipped and fell. And I, I literally walked across the beam. I looked at her. I, I threw my little stick at her and I was like, yeah, how about you stay down there? <laughs> and she, she looked at, she looked at me. She was like, that's what you're going to say. And I was like, fine, I'll, I'll change it up. I said, clean yourself up, bitch. And I walked right off the balance <laughs> beam. <laughs> Oh man, that's not right. You didn't tell me you was experienced. You was experienced, yeah. Bemis. Uh, I will say that probably the the toughest part of that whole thing was getting out of that foam pit. Oh, dude, yeah, that's that's bad. And did you see? Did you see the platform where like uh, kids can go up like oh, five or six steps and then jump from that I platform? Jumped, and I jumped off it. of it. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Yeah, bro, that's shallow. I mean, there's, you know. There's, there's not a lot of foam between like the top layer of foam and like the trampoline part at the bottom. Yeah. And I did not realize that. So like last year was my son's first year jumping off of that thing. And I was trying to show him like, Oh, it's not that bad. Well, I didn't like lay flat to jump. I like jumped like straight down, oh. bro. I thought, I thought my knee was done. Like <laughs> I felt, I felt the shock come up my leg and stop at my knee. And I was like, great. I'm showing my kid that it's okay, you can jump off this thing, and I might have just broke my fucking knee. <laughs> you say it's trying to be all, all cool about it and shit, too? <clears throat> I mean, I'm good. I mean, I'm well, good. I, I, basically, I basically laid there, and I was like, I, I, I was a little bit more convincing, but I basically did like the, oh, no, I'm stuck. I'm, it's so hard to get out of this thing. Like, oh, man, I'm, I'm like, while well, I'm like trying to assess whether or not my knee is like actually fucking broken. <laughs> And of course, the fucking the fucking kid that we went with, uh, his dad is good good buddy of mine. He just reaches in, grabs by the arm. He's like, oh, "I got you, Paul." He just like starts pulling me out. I'm like, "No, no, no, no!" Like, I, I need this. I need this time. <laughs> when he called a medic, I went off that damn thing like a flying squirrel, bro. Like, <laughs> I jumped yeah, arms and legs out. 
Bro, that place is fun, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Chris, you should go with us sometime. Oh, no. Hey, 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 no, no, no. Uh, uh, Black Chris, yeah, you can definitely go. They got a slam ball area. Oh, they do, too. And hey, I've been to the Kathleen Park before. You have been one. We got a slam ball area. What do you call it? Yeah. It was like they had a uh, six foot high one and they had a 12 foot high one. Uh, I think these are all standard 10 foot. Yeah, I think so. Just kids yeah. do them. And it's still funny when you see like a six year old thinking that they got it. And they like, they, instead of like doing like the bouncing where they're building the, the upward momentum as they're going forward, like they just run really fast and they jump at the end and they're just like sailing through the air, but they're still like three feet below the net. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, man. I watch that shit. It's hilarious to me. See, it's me and Chris get on the pugil sticks, though. He's going to have another collapsed lung incident. Nah, man. I'm getting on there because next time I'm hitting, next time I'm swinging. <laughs> Perfect. Then all I got to do is just dodge that first swing that I'm he's going to be fucking heaving and he'll just fall off himself. That's true because I put everything I got in that swing and then I'm jumping for legs. I'm gonna hit you so hard, both your lungs down collapse at the same time. No, oh, man. But yeah, it was a good time. We should go again. Or she should come. But all right. Play some top golf when it opens. I'll definitely be down for that. Never actually right, been. Well, now that you've addressed the video, I'm, I'm probably going to post it in the main chat. You can, but everybody in main chat is going to be like, what the hell are you even talking about? Because you know they ain't listening right now. That, yeah, but at least <laughs> at least now, if they end up coming back to the recording of the podcast. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, while you're doing that, uh, anyway, so <laughs> we want to get down to business and some of the stuff we wanted to talk about today. Now we got all of the uh, the the weekly stories out, out of the way. Uh, kind of crazy. Some of the things that have been happening, kind of crazy, but unfortunately, not all that surprising and crazy. Um, with uh, some of the things that have been going on around crypto lately, uh, you know, more focused on the exploits hack front, if you will. Uh, you know, obviously not as bad as some things that have happened in the past. I know 2021. Uh, was a, an awful year. I want to say it was about 2.4 billion. Uh, that was, I don't know if it was actually all lost, but I know it was initially hacked or exploited. And then, uh, you know, obviously there's some recovery efforts, but either way, 2.4 billion, I believe was exploited in 2021. Gross exploit. Yes. Uh, so, you know, 2022 was a little bit better. I think this year was was better still, uh, but no. I mean, we we got a we got a long way to go on on many fronts. Uh, there was one story, Paula, Chris. Uh, what was that one story we were talking about uh, yesterday? One of the two. Which one? Mixon. Uh, pick pick one. Mixon or HTX? Yeah, Mixon. 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 That was a lot of money, biggest one this year. What was what was that one? How much? Uh, two hundred million. Yeah, two hundred million. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're gonna talk about all exploits. Uh, you know, rugs, everything. I mean, there's there's a lot of shit going on, but two hundred million. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's insane. That's a lot of money. This what's crazy about this. I'd never heard of this protocol before when I when I seen the article come across, and I think a lot of people are like, "Who the hell is they were out of Hong Kong?" Correct? Yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people had never even heard about them. We're like, how the hell did they have that much in assets tied in? I know they did stuff with bridging and, and wallets and, and things like that. Um, how the hell did they have that many assets that were even available to exploit when they were damn near unheard of? Hey. Well, but you got to think that like Hong Kong based crypto, the Asian market for crypto is, is, pretty big so you have to think that that's that's probably government money that's involved pretty heavily in something like that yeah very very possible um and i know you know the, when there's you know exploits involved and we'll talk about the next one here in a second but you know you have DeFi and you have CeFi, and and the exploits typically happen differently uh between the two naturally because of the way they're set up and their exposure to different different things based on uh, if it's more decentralized or centralized. With this particular one, what's interesting about it because we're kind of we're kind of in this phase right now where you know we got blockchain technology is is made huge advancements, but not as massive as you would have hoped or thought on the security front. Uh, you know, in the in the amount of time that you know. Uh, you know, blockchain's been in development and everybody's, you know, doing their thing and, and innovating and trying to, to expand. Um, and I think a lot of that has has to do with more of the focus on uh, the currency and the, the becoming a millionaire aspect of it. And a lot of people that are building these protocols, not, a, not all of them, obviously, because there's a lot of people out there doing some great things like us um, that are not just trying to create some some temporary or or even whatever some just weird opportunity for quick money and then letting it die out or no care for security or just whatever it may be just trying to throw something out there we talk about that a lot so i think a lot of that has taken away from some of these more intelligent people and 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 people really digging into the baseline technology and improving security which leads into with this exploit i believe they said it had to do with their database that and I'm not sure because they they're not giving too much information. I can't blame them because obviously they don't want too too many people knowing exactly how their back end works, uh, which could lead them to more vulnerabilities. But something to do with their database, which is is a, is more of a centralized entity being exploited, which allowed whoever the exploiters were to gain access to funds that were in these bridges and wallets and and things like that, um, and. What that, what that kind of leads us into is when we look at blockchain and the data storage capabilities, it is very, very good at storing static data uh, or data that doesn't need to be accessed extremely often. Example, file storage, uh, photo storage, whatever. You, you, you're storing your backup files. You're storing whatever documents or whatever on the blockchain. Maybe you need to access them once a week, every few days. Or maybe you're just storing them, you know, for, uh, you know, uh, disaster recovery or something. Very good utility for that. Where it doesn't excel at is frequent access. Things that a lot of times databases are used for where, think social media, 
Whereas somebody is either posting something constantly, people are interacting, they're commenting, they're liking, they're whatever they're doing. That is frequent, like millions and billions of like interactions, like constantly. Um, yes, blockchains are good for that in some things, but not when it comes to things that are typically stored in a database and access of information such as um, text or anything like that. Uh, so we're kind of stuck in that kind of in that that limbo where Web three has to use kind of like a hybrid of some centralized databasing alongside of oracles and blockchain and nodes and that kind of thing. So that's kind of where that's at. So even though they're a decentralized entity, a lot of times there are some quote unquote centralized pieces of it because the technology is not quite there yet. So it's a long way of getting there, but I just want to make sure I explained it right. Well, I think too, and we've, we've said it time and time again, that, Typically, when there's like emerging technology or like rapidly developing technology, security is almost always an afterthought. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at some of like the, the some of the earliest attacks on computing systems that were possible. You know, it some of them were discovered by accident. Like, you look at like a, a memory overflow or a memory buffer uh, style of attack. You know, that that wasn't based off of someone saying, "Hey, I bet if I do this, my outcome could be this." That was based off of attempting to push computing to its limits. And it was discovered that, oh, hey, if, if this happens under like, you know, whatever circumstances, you know, it's, it's overall bad type thing. And unfortunately, that's sometimes how you find out some of what the attack vectors are because you don't realize that you've created one. And it's, it's, it's hard to do that. But I'll, all I'm going to say about mixing, no matter how much you're worth and, and doing all this stuff, seeing, seeing how they contacted like, uh, uh, they're actually hiring a company that Google um, yeah. has acquired to to do the cleanup effort and the, the investigation effort. But um, like you shouldn't also be quoted specifically saying that you uh, you put security and privacy first if you just got got for two hundred million dollars. <laughs> I mean, they're quoted saying we build open source software that always puts security, privacy, and decentralization first. You might want to. Switch those words around and put security last there. <laughs> or at least like, we attempt to. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the reason why we need more secure by design, where security is basically at the forefront of your design instead of, let's say, like if you're building a house, you're not going to worry about your foundation last. Um, security right, essentially, build, building proactively instead of reactively. Yeah, like secure by design essentially is security is your foundation instead of well your foundation. You're using that to you're building that first instead of trying to build a house and then trying to build the foundation. Yeah, exactly, and you know because that way you you have the security piece in place, and yeah, that's what a lot of software companies do, especially, especially in Web3 and, and blockchain, because people are trying to get out products or they're trying to do whatever. And then after they build it or after they come up with the concept to build the smart contracts, whatever, then they think, well, well, how can I secure this? And that's the exact opposite of what you're talking about, right? You know, rather, yeah. rather yeah. than rather than coming up with an idea saying, hey, I would like to, you know, create this product 
let me think about how it would be secure and how I can secure this and then move along with the actual design of the product around the security that you know you need in place. Well, that's also, but that's also like, excuse me, that's function versus hindrance too. And you, you see that in, I don't know, every, every sector of, of technology, even, uh, you know, in the, in the private sector, you know, like, and I'll use, I'll use this as an example without giving up people's jobs, but like, you know, take, take a bank, for example, obviously they want to build and have, uh, all sorts of secure transactions, whether it be for, uh, you know, business customers, end user customers, or even within the organization itself, they want to have secure transactions or secure communications and, and stuff like that. Right. But at the same time, how much can you, af- like how much cybersecurity or other security related controls can you implement and kind of put the burden on the consumer before the consumer decides, well, I'm done with this and take my business elsewhere. And when you look at, you know, like, yes, like slow transactions is one of them, but I remember, and granted, I don't mind because I enjoy the security, but I remember when my bank imposed multi-factor authentication every single time you log into your account. Yes, it is annoying as shit sometimes, especially if I'm like just trying to log in and make sure that my wife's Amazon return got processed for her. We've all been there, but, um, you know, it, sure. It's annoying as shit to have to worry about, you know, getting a text code and entering the code and like all that other bullshit. Like I don't mind because the security function is there, but realistically, if you, if you wanted to be like just as simple as authenticating a login, if you wanted to say, Hey, look, technology is good enough that we can force not only uh, a multi-factor authentication, but you know, if you're using a mobile app, we can see the make and model of your phone. We know whether or not we can impose biometrics on you and make it so you have to do biometrics instead of, you know, a pin or, or whatever other second authentication factor that they use, you know, they always have to keep in mind, like, what the impact to the user is and is, you know, what is the user's tolerance on all of these increases? Because, <clears throat> sure, we could put in a freaking application layer firewall at every single endpoint and make sure that every single packet going across the network is inspected in and out. But what is that going to do to the latency of your network? You're going to get absolutely crushed depending on how much traffic you have going across that. So that's part of the problem too, is that, you know, we see, and, and we've talked about this also previously is, you know, you have a community within crypto that that wants products or they want information or they want development to happen at lightning speed just because in general the the crypto community moves so quickly with its high turnover rate of of bad companies or bad contracts or failed launches and or scams and honeypots it moves so quick that other people are just pushing to get products out without any hindrance to the user whatsoever and then you end up having something like a 200 million dollar exploit on your cloud database. I would say what you're talking about, Google's a good uh, proponent of uh, where let's say you have a Gmail account and you sign in, let's say on your note 10 and you also sign in on your laptop. The moment you sign in, let's say on your iPhone, you get that notification. Hey, this is an unusual sign in. And then you have to use a known device to verify that was actually you. So you're not, you have, you not, you don't have to use multi-factor authentication every single time you log in. Only those times that it's a 
different device, different location, whatever it may be. Oh, which is, which is absolutely like, and that's, and that's the point is, is that, that people will find the way to say, Hey, look, we can, we can impose whatever the security control is with minimal impact to the user. And the, the give and take might be that, you know, if it's an unrecognized device, you have to do one extra step, but then that device is good for, you know, however long, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but the, the, the problem becomes when, when someone negates that and they say, well, Hey, look, we could do that. But we're not going to because the last thing we want is for, you know, even something as low as like eight to 10% of the user base to say, Oh, I don't want to do this because they're making my life harder and it's not doing the exact feature that I want it to do. And they just push forward. Yeah. Yeah. And then the also big problem about it is higher management where they see the cost of security and like, Oh, no, we don't need that. Or they go the extreme cheaper route and outsource to other countries for their security, which is in itself, in my opinion, a security violation. Yeah, definitely, definitely a hurdle. Let me give you some numbers. And this comes from uh, uh, a post that came from uh, Boston Blockchain Security uh, that was actually embedded in an article. Um, so this is where these numbers come from. They're a little dated, you know, from July 4th. So it's actually the end of quarter two. Uh, some numbers on, on where we stood. So this is prior to the two stories that we're talking about tonight as well. Um, but when it comes to Web3, uh, there was $655.6 million, million worth of assets that were, again, we'll, uh, we'll call them lost, even though some of it was recovered. Um, out of that... There was 108 attacks that resulted in 471 million. Um, with oh, out of this 108 attacks, it was 471 million that went missing. Phishing scams accounted for 108 million, while 110 rug pulls resulted in a total loss of 75.87 million. Ah, damn. So, yeah, so the total was 655. 471 was, you know, uh, hacks or exploits. Phishing scams was 108. And then rug pulls was 75, just call 75.9. That means crazy. This is going to be a controversial statement here. I am surprised that it is that amount in a low standard for rug pulls because that means at least you know in this year people have started to get smarter because i think that if you look back historically and go back a couple of years especially when we had just a great market you know mid mid uh what mid 2021 20 yeah okay yeah mid 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 2020 when you know everybody had money in the crypto world i would imagine that 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 value or that the percentage of what the that was from the total lost would have been significantly higher to rug pulls. So, I mean, in a sense, I look at that as decent news because that sounds like the the user base, uh, or at least the more experienced user base, is getting smarter. Well, it also attests to the fact that there's less people launching <sighs> contracts and trying to rug pull people as well, right? When, when the market was at its height, every you know, people launching contracts like every few hours or every couple of days uh, trying to rug pull people, and, and people falling for it because they kept... Remember, everybody was just jumping into everything, uh, you know, over and over again, trying to find that that gem. So, 
there are people launching contracts every hour. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do not have the, the stats based on uh, per blockchain, uh, but this is just my feeling and my sense over the last couple of years that the majority of the, now we're talking pure numbers, were on Binance. The majority of them. As far as amount of money lost, I would venture to guess that Ethereum was probably the top there because there's, there's a lot more money uh, on Ethereum being moved around than there is on Binance. But as far as sheer numbers of how many rug pulls, I would almost guarantee it was Binance. But those are just my thoughts. I have nothing well, to I, back I, that up. I would, well, I would agree with you just on the fact of how much it costs to launch a contract on exactly. ETH versus on Binance. If, I mean, if you're telling me I'm going to rug pull, but I'm going to be spending damn near a grand or almost two grand just to launch the associated contracts with my rug pull, that there's no guarantee that I'm getting all of that back unless I've really, really, you know, done everything to guarantee I'm getting my money. Like, you couldn't convince that's that's a that's a risky play. I mean, obviously the reward is is pretty good on it, but that's a risky play. When I can come over to Binance, spend what a total of two and a half dollars and have everything launched and ready to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially if you want to try to do it in mass and you you're messing around and whatever, trying to you know honeypot people and shit. It's just it's an awful situation, and and you know this is one of those things, and I and I don't want to. I don't want to bleed this conversation too much into regulation because we've had plenty of conversations on regulation. But when it comes down to what's being looked at, and this is why I have a real problem. One of the reasons why I have a real problem with the SEC is uh, there's so much fraud going on in scams and, and uh, you know exploits and everything. That's really not the purview of the SEC. Uh, that's the FTC, the, uh, the, the trade commission, federal trade commission, uh, is really supposed to be worried about, you know, scams and, and, you know, uh, advertising and the way companies are, are, are doing things. That's really kind of their job is to look into that. And I know they do investigate and they have investigated certain companies on that. I'm not a big, I'm for smaller government. So I'm not necessarily saying, please don't take this out of content that I'm saying, please FTC come in and, and start doing all kinds of shit, but I'm saying the SEC should not be doing any of this. Their job is quote unquote to protect investors. Um, you know, this is not an area where they should be fishing around in because, um, you know, they, first of all, it would have to be proved that these are uh, securities and that's still, you know, whatever, something that they've been trying to prove and can't prove and all that other good shit. But anyway, Government needs to stay out of this shit, but if somebody's going to have any purview over it, the FTC, FTC needs to look at some of these scams, some of this shit going on that's really destroying this space. It's not, is it a security that's destroying crypto? It's this shit. This is what's doing it, and this is what's making it very difficult for us to move forward and, and, and what's making it difficult for any real, true innovation to be seen and visualized because all anybody ever sees that's from the outside looking in is all of this. And then, yeah, that's, that's hard when that's what's published, <clears throat> especially when you're, when you're hitting headlines, you know, like, like it is with mixed with 200 million and them coming out and saying that this is, you know, the biggest one so far in 2023, you know, granted the, the second highest one was 197 mil. So, I mean, they were, they were pretty close. Um, yeah. but <laughs> Uh, what was that? Uh, Euler Finance that did that. Uh, but they were, I think they were in investments or lending crypto. 
I can't remember. Yeah. Excuse me. But, um, yeah, that's, that's hard. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. It, it, every time I start seeing this stuff and I think about it, you know, when you look at smart contracts and how they're developed, and especially when some of these exploits happen and you're like, how the hell did somebody not see that or let that go? Now, I, I understand, you know, being in the IT world, as long as we all have been, um, and, and being around before shit, before the internet even went mainstream, um, I, I get it. Things happen and you're never going to foresee every possible scenario. Uh, these people are good and the people that are trying to exploit and hack things are working 20 times harder on how to exploit things than anybody is trying to secure things. That's just the nature of the beast. So you got to be, you know, on your toes. So things will happen. But some of this stuff, it's, it's a clear, uh, you know, uh, you can cut a vision of, Hey, I'm just going to do this because I want to develop something or I really don't know that much, but whatever, it's not my money or, or you know, just a lot of recklessness happening. Uh, that's unfortunate or, you know, people are, are, are forking things that they don't realize has an exploit. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's just crazy going on. And unfortunately, this really, you know, that's one of the give and takes with, with DeFi is if we want to have the, the uh, luxury of controlling our own assets, controlling our own destiny, uh, these people are going to have, uh, the luxury, I guess you could call of, of controlling their own destiny with their development at the expense of other people, unfortunately. So that's, that's really where we got to evolve and we have to evolve big time. Man, this episode will make me depressed. It should. No. <laughs> no. But it's, it is. It's the reality. And and I think that's what frustrates all of us here sometimes, you know, with, with Affinity is because we're sitting here and we're developing things. We have ideas all the time. Like, let me, let me just, like, if we threw caution to the wind, we could probably have 20 damn products out right now, right? But that's not how we operate. We, we build things that are going to be long-term, sustainable, have value, have use, and like Chris said, security first. So while oh, I- bro, <laughs> you want functionality, we can churn it right. out. <laughs> churn it out. But when that contract gets got. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? And we're not trying to be those people. Right. We can never, and nobody can, I don't care who they are. If, if they say they can, don't listen to them. Nobody can absolutely 100,000% guarantee you that nothing will ever happen. I don't give a shit if they've been in, in the industry for, you know, 150 years and been developing things, you know, their entire life. Nobody can guarantee anything. So what we are, are always striving to do is ensure that everything that we know about, everything that's been shown in the industry, anything that's possible, uh, and foreseeable to the best of our ability is covered and it's tested thoroughly and, and, and everything else. Right. But that takes time. The, the, the production of, of creating utility for the sake of creating utility is really in all honesty, not that difficult. In most cases, the difficult part is the testing, the follow on testing, 
the ensuring all of that stuff is as secure as it possibly can be. That is what takes the longest. I promise. Well, I, I think it's I think it's also important to explain too that it, at least you know with us for the the development cycle of of a product is that you know it's it's difficult to test a single facet when you have that security first mindset in your, your foundation, your building foundation of security, right? Because, you know, just like we've talked about, we can, we can pump out a product and have the product functionally work and say, Hey, this is, this is functionally working. You know, we've tested it. It works great. Now we need to secure it. Well, typically some, most of the time when you implement a specific security control, you have reduced functionality or you have a function that just no longer works as intended. And you have to get creative with how you're going to get around <clears throat> maintaining the security, but also maintaining that, you know, up to a specific standard, the the functionality, because you don't want to say, oh, well, I'll maintain security up to a certain standard because that's just, you know, not acceptable. So the problem with building security first is that when you build in these chunks, you know, you say you have phase one done, you say, okay, I've secured, you know, this at this facet of what the the overall function is supposed to do. Well, you can't necessarily also just straight test that chunk to make sure that it works how it's intended because it's only one piece of the puzzle. So you have to continue to build and build and build and build and build with the same security first mindset. Otherwise, you're going to have to tear down because if you build chunk one security first and say, okay, I want to test to see if this is secure. Let me just build out the rest of the shit, you know, security to the wind, whatever. Well, that initial function or the initial uh, object of what you're trying to do might not act the same way with security to the wind on, you know, function number three of that entire product. So you have to basically have to to build the whole thing with the security first mindset, then test for functionality to make sure it still does what you want to do, and then test all your already implemented security controls. And each step of the way that you find an issue, you basically have a, a web diagram of, okay, here's issue. This issue affects, you know, here, 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 and here as part of the application development. So now you have to find workarounds for all those different areas and then test each single one of those different areas. So they can also have its own web of what it affects. Yeah. So when, when, when Chris, when Chris says it takes time and sounds like a Neanderthal caveman, <laughs> what, what, he's, what he's basically saying is you, you get to a point where you have to have an almost finished product to really test both facet of functionality and security with the way it's built to put out the product that is not hopefully not going to be exploited. First of all, you know me, man, I'm going to be direct. I'm going to speak direct, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really the gist of it. And, you know, with uh when it comes to security too in these contracts you can't mess around and and I don't know how many times I've had this conversation with Chris even just the other day when we were talking about a, another smart contract um and then you got to keep in mind all the future stuff that you want to do uh I mean Chris how many times I, I said hey I got this contract I'm looking at this I think this is pretty solid let's do some testing and you're like hey don't forget <laughs> we need to incorporate layer zero we need to incorporate you know X Y Z because we need to make sure that these contracts are, while they're being built, we have security and everything else, but we also need to make sure that the future state and everything else that we want to bolt on top of it uh, is going to function with it as well. It's really a, a massive web, like Paul was saying, that you, you got to have the right balancing act. And if you don't, this kind of shit is going to continue to happen over and over again. So what was the... uh 
Actually, before we move on, I want to give one other example, right? And then we'll talk about the last last story real quick. So I think we only got like 10 or 15 minutes left. But uh, another example, I was in a uh, Telegram the other day. I was trying to join a voice chat. And uh, so I locked down my home internet pretty good. Uh, you know, I say pretty good, but it's kind of overboard. Um, and I was trying to get a Telegram voice chat, and I realized it wasn't working. And... Uh, you know, I, and I got thinking about it and I was like, wait a second. I think Telegram reaches out to a foreign server, a foreign country somewhere to connect up to the voice chat because it would show me in there, but it wouldn't actually allow the, the voice traffic to go through. So I had to go through all of my security checks and, and I, I do a lot of, uh, you know, geographical blocking, you know, of certain, certain regions and things like that. And, uh, lo and behold, that's what it was. Uh, it was uh, some of the security measures that I had in my home, uh, security appliance that was blocking traffic to go from point A to point B to reach out to that voice server. And the point being is if you lock things down, what Paul was saying about functionality, when you build things to be security first, security foundation, a lot of times that functionality will not be there when you go to test it. And now you have to figure out what is, is there something in the security that's blocking it? And if it is, we need to still impose that security, but find a way for that function to operate the way it needs to while maintaining that security posture. That was the model of my story. <laughs> that was a good story, bro. Was it? All right. You should tell it again. No, I'm not going to tell it again, but what? <laughs> What was the other story? Was it? It was a, a central exchange, right? That was exploited. Uh, HTX. HTX, which ironically renamed, like I think it was a week before the exploit, uh, renamed. I forget what they were before, but they embraced being similar name to FTX, which I thought was weird. But they were public about it. They said we're cool with it. And the only thing I can think of is obviously the whole. You know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. The only thing I could think of. Otherwise, I don't know why they would be okay with it. I mean, when you read the article, I mean, it, it, I, I don't think they care with how much money they're throwing around. They got, they got got for eight mil. Yeah. They said that they basically, uh, it is this relatively small sum in comparison to the three billion worth of assets held by their users. And it amounts to about two weeks worth of revenue for the HTX platform. So first off, that platform making way too much money, <laughs> right? <laughs> if if they're if they're raking in four million dollars a week, they're making way too much goddamn money. Yeah, because <laughs> they even went on to say that they they basically put out a message saying they're willing to give whoever uh, got the exploit give them a four hundred thousand dollar bug bounty to return the stolen funds and they sweeten the deal saying that they would hire them as a security white hat advisor. Wow. Now I'm just saying there was some dude in Germany that got the source code for um, one of Valve's games and our, our Lord and Savior Gaben uh, said, Hey, fly out. I want to meet you, give you a job and was ready to have him fucking arrested. 
when he when he got to the tarmac, but the the Germans got him before he left the country and was like, "Bro, you don't want to do that." <laughs> so I'm I'm not saying that this, that HTX trying to honeypot this guy into coming out public so they can fucking crucify him, but I'm just saying I I wouldn't take that deal if I was him. <laughs> right. I mean, in, in my mind, take the deal because you're, you're a bastard deserve to get arrested. But yeah, uh, if you're that person, you probably shouldn't. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, I guess I, I'm not sure how that one does, does that. I can't remember what the article said. Like, what was the the exploit? Uh, it, it, it was a, basically a, one of their hot wallets got hacked. Yeah. Yeah. And. That happened to uh, Bitmart years ago as well, a couple of years ago. Uh, and that, that shit kind of happens. And that sucks because with central exchanges, you know, it sounds like this this hot wallet, it was either um, either they're smart and they break up everything into so many hot wallets that there's, relatively speaking, now I know $8 million is a, is a shit ton of money, um, but compared to their billions, it's not. Uh, so they must break it up either into much smaller chunks or they happen to get an exploit on a wallet that just happened to not have a ton of money in it. Um, but when, with the essential exchanges pooling money into hot wallets like that, you know, cause if you don't know, when you, when you have your crypto on an exchange, on a central exchange, uh, if you don't know, now you're gonna, now you're gonna learn that it's not your wallet. It's sitting in a hot wallet on that exchange pooled up with a bunch of other people's money. That have you know have it sitting on the exchange as well. So if there is an exploit in that wallet, uh, bye bye, that money's gone, and they shit you can do about it. And you just got to hope that they have enough money to, and they're they're willing to reimburse. Um, and, and you know, relatively speaking, <clears throat> if you're looking at uh, this article, doesn't have a lot of information on it. So this is just pure pure guesswork here. But they say that the the attacked wallet appears to be one of HTX's hot wallets with it receiving around 500 million in deposits from Binance since its creation in March. So this wallet got exploited, and this guy only made off with 8 million when this thing potentially could have had up. Obviously, it's not going to have the full 500 million from the deposits because, you know get paid out and stuff like that but yeah you know this thing could easily had upwards of you know three four hundred million dollars uh worth of worth of coin in it god damn sorry and he only made away with with eight mil so either they picked that up on security and and did some lockdown stuff i mean we saw at defcon some of the um the the wallet exploits that were available for especially some of these bigger wallets and stuff with the multi-signature wallets and yeah and uh how to protect against it so either they caught it and and shut it down or the dude was just trying to be as unnoticed as possible thinking like hey man if if again if it's a relatively small sum in comparison to three billion they might not notice eight mil gone yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly uh that's crazy man and uh i know I don't know if you still do you still have the the numbers on because uh, when it comes to honey potting and not honey potting but um, fishing, I mean that money's gone, right? That you ain't getting that back. That's that's a, a very unfortunate situation that happens, and it could either you know sometimes there are situations where it's not necessarily 
the fault of the user. And I know I see it all the time on, on X. People are quick to just blame somebody and say, you click the link you shouldn't have. Yes, that happens a lot. But sometimes through like DNS poisoning and, and, you know, spoofing and things like that, you could legitimately be going to the link that you think you are and be redirected without even knowing it. So sometimes it's not the user's fault. They are going to where they think they are going to the legitimate link and, and things happen. Um, but with these other exploits and, and, and hacks and everything else that's happening to smart contracts and protocols, fortunately, there are many times where they do recover some of, if not the majority of the funds through white hatting or through a bounty or whatever it is, like you kind of alluded to with that. Do you have those numbers? I know we were talking about earlier. Did you? I, I don't have that open. Do you have it? Uh, for which one? Where it was talking about um, some of the money that was actually recovered. For which exploit? For just in general, like any, you know, if you have some yes. examples. Yeah, so it, it's... um. <clears throat> it's worth noting that a lot of the uh, hacks, so to speak, or the exploits that um, were targeted that did have recovered funds were from uh, finance groups, not necessarily, you know, like smaller projects and whatnot. So, you know, you had that Euler Finance that got caught for $197 million. Um, <clears throat> it's on this article, it says that several weeks after the, the flash loan attack, which is, what happened? The attacker identifying as Jacob returned the stolen funds via a series of encrypted messages and transactions totaling 54,000 ETH and $10 million, making it one of the most substantial recoveries in the DeFi sector. Um, then they basically, they didn't go after him. <laughs> you have, um, uh, what was it? Angle protocol got hit for almost 20 mil. Uh, they started getting repaid. I don't know where it didn't say where that money came from. It yeah. just said that, that people got repaid. Uh, you had, uh, platypus finance. Uh, they, uh, that guy didn't really get away with it. The uh, funds end up getting, um, frozen. So like, uh, uh, tether intervened and froze 1.5 million, um, of stolen USDT. Yep. So they, and they were re- negotiating the release of another half mil or so. Um, but then uh, about a quarter mil uh, that was stolen in a third attack is considered unrecoverable as the exploiter utilized crypto mixer tornado cash and in uh, an, Az- an encryption Aztec network service to obscure the trail of stolen assets. So, I mean, you see, you see some of it coming back, but like you said, the, the ones that aren't coming back are, are the scams. You know, like you have um, the, the, the KuCoin Twitter scandal. Not sure if you remember that one. Oh yeah. Um, so so this one is is unique to me at least because this had absolutely nothing to do with exploiting a, a smart contract or a validation node or anything like that. It was literally that their Twitter got got hacked or was taken over for about forty five minutes, and they promoted you know fraudulent activities. Uh, they they deceived people about fake giveaways and and. Essentially, they only got away with about twenty three grand. Um, but you know, that's unique because again, it's an exploit that had nothing to do with crypto. It was their social media platform was exploited that really kind of caused loss of funds. And it wasn't necessarily um loss of funds directly to the, the project or the token, but it was to the users. 
Yeah, and that that actually happened recently as well. A couple couple of big accounts. Um, one I'm not going to mention because I'm sure people are tired of hearing his name, uh, who's been recently in the Twitter news recently or YouTube too. Um, and, and then another one who was uh, our good friend, the, the founder of Ethereum, and I don't want to butcher his name, so I'm called Colin V because I'm good at butchering names. Uh, his Twitter account got hacked, and uh, yeah, they put out a phishing scam or a phishing link, and uh, you know, it, it, it amassed to, I think, a loss of 600000 I think. It wasn't an incredible amount like you would think, but still, that's a lot of money. To those people that lost, it's it's definitely a lot of money to them. Uh, well, because, you know, people go all in with stuff like that, too. Oh, of course, right? Yeah, especially if you see it come from the official Twitter account of the guy who created Ethereum. Uh, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm jumping on that, too. Yeah, right? And... You know, and that stuff happens through, like, I think they, uh, I don't know if it was him. I know a few of them, they were talking about um, uh, sim sim swapping. Uh, so that's why they also, if you don't know what sim swapping, is basically that the, the sim card in your phone is swapping it to another phone, whether it's physical or logical. They do it on the back end. They just swap it to another phone. And, and where that's useful is if you're doing two-factor authentication, like we talked about, and your two-factor goes to a text message, well, if I swap the SIM to my phone and I go for that two-factor, now it's going to send the text to my phone, even though it's still your number, but because I used the SIM to duplicate your phone onto my phone, I'm going to receive the text, which means I'm going to get that code. So when all possible, uh, don't necessarily do text message. Maybe use like a Google Authenticator or something like that because that's not affected by SIM swapping. Uh, but just be mindful of that if you are doing text or two-factor, that uh, that's a possibility that that could happen to you. But that's what happened to him. It was a sim swap. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. Yep. Chris, you got anything you want to add to this as we are rolling? We just rolled past 9.30. Just be careful out there. Careful out there. And uh, only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> oh man uh all righty so we talked a lot about security and exploits and all that stuff so you know if you need to go back and listen to it again uh go out and do some research really dig into security learn how to protect yourself the best you can uh, again there's no surefire way to be 100 percent uh just tread lightly go slow uh, read what you're doing, double check those transactions before you sign them, double check the URLs, uh, and be careful entering into any smart contract, especially if you have no idea who created it. Uh, Paul, you got anything else you want to add before we, uh, end this week? Nah, man. Nah, man. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I really don't have much either. I just do want to remind you guys it's, uh, uh it is affinity Friday this coming Friday. Uh, so make sure you uh, come check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, for our spaces at 8.30 p.m. on Friday, uh, and then followed by Discord afterwards. Uh, we will be back here on DV Radio and Twitch two weeks from today, same time, same great place. Until then, we will talk to you all. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you'll have a great rest of your week. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter.
Radio. Oh, I was still muted out. <laughs> I was going to say, we we good? <laughs> so yeah, we're off of you. <laughs>